Bible declares, now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden. Yeah. But God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden and you must not touch it or you will die. The serpent says to the woman, you will not certainly die, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Verse number six is where I want to hang my hat for today. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. Father, now again, asking for great grace to rest upon me and your people as we dive into what it is that you have for us on today. And it is in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. Um, as many of you all know, we begin a brand new series on last week simply entitled Rocky Relationships. Everybody just shout Rocky Relationships. Now, understand when we talk about rocky relationships, I'm not necessarily highlighting um, conflicts that happen in relationships. I'm not necessarily highlighting rifts um, because things just happen because you're different. Um, as an example, one of the first fright fights that my wife and I that we had um, in our marriage was about how Christmas should look. I grew up in a house that Christmas was all about eating. Can somebody say amen right there? Anybody grew up in a house? It was just about the food. Well, she grew up in a house where it was about the decorations. And I'm thinking to myself, who cares about lights if you're hungry? <laughs> so that was one of our first fights, and it, it, based, it was based on our background and where we come from. I'm not necessarily dealing with that. What I want to deal with in this, this idea of rocky relationships are those components in a relationship that tends to be present when a relationship dissolves. Yeah. When, when, when a relationship winds up in divorce or just dissolving, period, separation, so forth and so on, there are certain ingredients that are always there, and those are the things that I want to deal with for the next couple of weeks. Um, on last week, we highlighted the fact that allowing unproven or unholy voices in your ear is one of those things that tend to lead to rocky relationships. Uh, the Bible declares that faith comes by what, y'all? Hearing, hearing by the word of God. Well, I believe that your faith in God can be developed. It can be, it can grow if you're hearing the right things. By the same token, faith comes by hearing. In essence, your very belief system is built up based on what you hear. If it's the word of God, you will be built up in the word of God. But watch this. If it is evil, if it is corrupt, then that corruption will corrupt. Watch this. Not only you, but everything that you're connected with. So unholy and unproven voices in your ear. Listen, y'all, Eve was talking to a snake. She was talking to something that had no concern at all about her, her, her well-being nor the well-being of her relationship. Today, I want to highlight the second component that I see in this particular text, chapter number three, um, th something that leads to the dissolving of the intimacy in this relationship and it is, if you're taking notes, failure to confront sin in the relationship. Failure 
failure to confront sin in a relationship. Understand if you have conflict, it requires communication. If you have personal preferences, it requires negotiation. But if there is sin in the relationship, it always requires some form of confrontation. This is what I'm tripping about in this particular text. If you guys would, just follow me just for a moment. In the book of 1 Timothy, chapter number 2, verses number 13, the Bible declares, For Adam was formed first, then Eve. And Adam was not deceived, but the woman was deceived and became a transgressor. So Paul is telling Timothy that Adam, he went into the situation with his eyes wide open. He knew exactly what was going on. He had the commandment from God, if we partake of this fruit, that we're going to know, we're going to die. He knew exactly what was going on. So I'm tripping uh, concerning Adam with this situation. He partakes of a fruit that he knows is going to kill him and his relationship. I'm tripping about that, but I'm mad when I look at Genesis chapter number three, verses number six. This is what the scripture highlights. And man, I've been reading this for, I'm, I'm talking about for years. And for the first time, it's like this, this portion of the text popped out at me like never before. Genesis chapter number three, verses number six, the Bible declares, when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye, and also desirable for gaining wisdom. She took some and ate it. Watch this. She also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. I'm tripping about that because verse 6 gives us the idea, the understanding that Eve wasn't over somewhere in a bush talking to a serpent, but Adam was standing right there beside her while she was having this conversation with the snake. I'm tripping, Adam. Man, why didn't you say something to your wife if you saw her talking to a snake? I'm mad at Adam, but by the same token, God don't give me messages just for my health. The reality is there are some of you guys maybe in here or some of you all that are watching us online, and you have something in your relationship that's poisonous to you, something that's going to kill you, something that's going to kill the relationship and you are quietly you are saying nothing about the poison come on somebody that is present there the devil is absolutely a liar I come to help somebody here today just type in the chat somebody shout you gotta say something you got to say something. It's interesting, as I was preparing for this message, one of, the, one of the resources that I ran across, the guy, he uses this term called care fronting. I love it. He says you have to care front. And, and, and he, he uses this because he says that caring and confronting in most people's minds are juxtaposing positions. In essence, some people feel as though that if I care, then I'm not going to say anything because I just want to keep the peace. And then on the other side, if I confront, then they'll think that I don't love them. Or I don't care about the situation, but the devil is absolutely a lie. He conflates these two terms because he says caring is confronting. Somebody shout caring is confronting. I'm telling you now, if you love them, if you love the relationship that you have, caring means that sometimes you have to confront. Watch this. I want to highlight four reasons why you should confront somebody caringly, why you should care front. Here is the first reason why you should confront. Number one is because you care about the person. I care about you. As a pastor, when I confront you as a member, as a friend, when I confront you as, 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 as a fellow brother, I'm, care, I'm confronting you because I care care about you. The scripture teaches, watch this, in Romans chapter number 6, verse number 23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life 
Oh, my God, in, in Christ Jesus, our Lord, the wages of sin is death. I'm confronting you because I know what sin does to you. I know what sin does to you. Understand that as a child of God, you have a relationship with God. But your relationship with God doesn't always speak to your level of fellowship with him. Is anybody in here got a cousin, nephew, uncle, cousin, somebody that truly y'all blood, but y'all really don't have much to do with one another? So you are kin. Watch this. There, there is, we, we related because you my mama cousin, mama sister, mama, whatever. We are in relationship, but we have no fellowship because we're, we're not close. There's some things in our lives. And as a child of God, there are times when we are truly in relationship, meaning that he's still my father and I'm still his child. But because of this craziness in my life, there is now distance between me and my father. I'm caring. I'm confronting because I see what the sin does to you, man. I see what that craziness is doing between you and your relationship with God. Understand, in God, somebody shout, in God, there's peace. Somebody shout, in God, there's joy. In God, there's peace. In God, there's joy. So if there's something that's separating you from God, that means that you're separated from true peace and you're separated from true joy. And, and some of us, oh, my God, I want to help somebody. Some people become great at masquerading pain. So you look good on the outside. Every time I see you, you laugh. And every time I see you, it seems as though that you're having a great time. But the reality is, ah, the high can only last so long. What goes up, come on, somebody, eventually will come. So you can be involved in certain things that anesthetize the pain of the distance between you and God. But, but, but when the high comes down, when it fades off, when, when you become sober again, when people leave the room, when you leave the party, you're faced to look at yourself. And the reality is there are many believers right now are miserable because they got stuff in their life that they won't deal with. I hate to see you miserable, and because I hate to see you miserable, I have made the choice to care front. Can somebody say amen to that? So the first reason I confront is because I care about you. The second reason I confront is because I care about us. The Bible declares, can two walk together unless they agree? And we can, we can only go so far together with stuff like this in our lives. If your destination is New Orleans and mine is Jackson, we can travel up 49 from 90 to I-10. But in just a moment, one of us are going to have to make a decision because what you have is taking you in a different destination than what I'm going. I care. I care front because I care about you. I care about us. Number three, I care front because I care about myself. I want to help somebody just for a moment because the reality is um, some of you guys, God has dictated that you be in the relationship and it didn't even, it's not even about you. There are certain people when they won't listen to God, they will listen to you. Let me give you a personal testimony. There have been times when I wouldn't listen to God about certain things. But he started talking through Lady McGee and I had to listen to Lady McGee. Can <laughs> somebody say amen right there? The Bible declares concerning Esther, the plight that she had with this edict that was given against the Jewish people. Mordecai sends her a message in Esther chapter number four, verses number 14. And he says to her, for if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place. In essence, 
you are the person that's in position, but if you don't say nothing, God can use somebody else. He can use somebody else, but look at the warning. Relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place, but you and your father's family will perish. He goes on to say, and, and who knows but that you have come to your royal position for such a time as this. Many of you guys fail to realize that God has strategic you, strategically placed you in certain places, in certain people's lives, just to be a voice of God when they tune him out. I want to help. Ezekiel chapter number 33, verses number 6. The Bible declares, but if the watchman sees the sword coming and does not blow the trumpet to warn the people and the sword comes and takes someone's life, that person's life will be taken because of their sin, but I will hold the watchman accountable for their blood. What are you trying to say, Pastor McGee? In your sphere of influence, you are the watchman. In your sphere of influence, in your family, amongst your friends, amongst the, the group of church members that you have influence, you are the watchman. And he says, if you see something and don't say nothing and the person winds up perishing because you didn't say something, God says the blood is on your hand and I'm going to hold you accountable. I got to care from because I care about you. I care about what we have. But by the same token, I care about what I have with God. I want to help somebody. Things would have been different if Adam would have care fronted. Now, now, brothers, let me, Jeff, let me talk to the brothers. Uchi, let me talk to the brothers just for a second. If, if Adam would have confronted Eve, now, it would have been some issues between him and Eve. Brother man might have had to slip on the couch or under another bush somewhere. But I don't know about you. I'd rather be in trouble with my wife than be in trouble with God. Because he didn't, because he failed to say something to Eve. Him and Eve was cool together, but now he's in trouble with God. Watch this, Ezekiel 33 and 8, the Bible declares, When I say to the wicked, you wicked person, you will surely die, and you do not speak out to dissuade them from their ways, that wicked person will die for their sins, and I will hold you accountable for their blood. God is pretty serious about this because he says, their sin is not only affecting them, it's affecting all of those who they are connected to. And if you don't say something, if you don't say something, what, what, what's interesting, a lot of times I have people that have come to me um, about a friend or a family member that's involved in something crazy, and they will want me to call the friend or call the loved one. And oftentimes my first question is, have you talked to them? And, and the conversation kind of goes something like this. Well, I ain't really saying nothing, Pastor, because I already know it's going to lead to something. And, and you, you know how they is. You know how they is. Well, well, no, 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 I don't know how they is. What I do know is that you saw it first. And your relationship with them is closer than mine is. I might be their pastor, but that's your brother. I might be your pastor, but you the one who said that was your best friend. And you mean to tell me that you're not going to say a word, but you're going you're gonna to get a third party involved when you hadn't tried to make a. I confront because I care about the person. I confront because I care about what we have. I confront because I care about myself and, and the trouble I might be getting myself in if I don't say something. But I also confront, here's number four, because I care about them. Who are the them? I care about the people that you're supposed to reach. 
And there are too many believers. There are too many believers, too many Christians right now, my God, today, that because of the dumb stuff that you are involved in, there's a generation that you're connected to that's destined to hell because you won't deal with the sin that's in your life. God speaks to Jeremiah and he says, before you were formed in your mother's belly, before you came out of a womb, I had already ordained you to be a prophet. Watch this, to the nations. He says, Jeremiah, you are a man of God to the nations. And Jeremiah gives this lame excuse, I'm just a child and I don't speak very well. Well, Jeremiah, if you continue, watch this, to use these little lame excuses that, that you're a child, that you're young, that, that you don't speak. If you use these lame excuses, there's a generation that's going to be in trouble because you won't rise up to the occasion. I see people like that that are using lame excuses to stay in sin. And God often sends me to them and me, him sending me to them has little to do with them. But it has everything to do with the nations that's in your belly. I'm telling you, there's something that God wants to birth out of you. I'm talking to the men and the women. There are generations that God wants to birth out of your belly. And if you don't make the connection and deal with the stuff in your life, there's a generation that's going to be lost. I confront because of you, because I care about you. I care about us. I care about what I have with God. I don't want to be in trouble with God. I confront because I care about the people that you're called to. In Ezekiel 33 and 7, the Bible declares, Son of man, I have made you a watchman for the people. The, the, the context of Ezekiel um, 33 is God is confronting the prophet concerning the people that he's called to reach. He says that you are a watchman, and I'm telling you all today in this sanctuary that you are the watchman in your sphere of influence. I'm not in your house. I'm not on your job. I'm not in your community uh, uh, clique or circle. You are, and God says that I am making you a watchman, and there are people within your sphere of influence that are talking to snakes. Come on, somebody, and I know that you're praying and asking me to come visit them. You want me to use my hand to touch them. God says, I want you to use your voice to speak to them. You are the watchman. So watch this. As a pastor, I have to confront. As, as a pastor, I have to. Uh, there, there are times I see members involved in certain things. There are certain times I'll see a Facebook post and I can't keep quiet about it. And, I, and I'll be honest with you, I really don't spend a whole lot of time on Facebook. And I've had several people get mad at me because they sent me a message that took me weeks to answer. The reason it took me weeks is because I'm not on Facebook all day. I'm, I'm just not. I'll, I'll put my little post if, if I f feel inspired or I'll repost something. But as far as just spending hours strolling on the timeline, um, I ain't hating on anybody that does that. I just don't do that. Um, I'm convicted about it. Um, so, so, but every once in a while, I'll see something that'll come across my timeline. And I'm like, my God, I got to say something. I can't be quiet about this. So as a pastor, there are times I have to I have to confront as a spouse. If you are married, there are times when God will use you to confront your spouse about something in their lives. Absolutely, positively, because I don't care who you're married to. Nobody's perfect. Nobody is always right. There are times when God wants to use you because watch this. Even I, I use this example al already. There were times, watch this, as a man of God, I wouldn't hear God, but God know that I was going to hear my wife. 
So when I tuned my ear, when I closed my ear to heaven, God used somebody that was connected to me, and he challenged my wife to confront me about some things that was going on on the inside of me. So even as a spouse, there are times you have to confront. Um, as, a, as a citizen, there are times you have to confront. I was, I was at home yesterday just sitting on my front porch. I had got home about 1 o'clock yesterday, and I saw the mail uh, uh, man running when I got home about 1 o'clock. And uh, so I never did check the mail, though. I just went inside, took care of some things, and then I came out on my front porch, and um, I was just sitting there just kind of meditating. And this black car rolls up and slows down towards my mailbox, getting ready to put something in it. Of course, they don't see me on the porch. Um, I didn't just sit silently. <laughs> I got off my porch, and I said, hey, hey, what's going on? Why are you in my mailbox? <laughs> I had to confront, and, and praise the Lord, good neighbor, he was putting um, a free Papa John's pizza certificate in my mailbox that the mailman put in his. Thank God. Praise the Lord. As a citizen, there are times I have to confront. As a friend, there are times I have to confront, and there are times I'm confronted by my friends. Thank God. You know what? I want to thank God. <laughs> I want to thank God for the friends. Who don't mind telling me about myself when I, when I need it? And I want to thank God even more for the friends who don't wait 10 weeks to tell me something that God's been dealing with them and their heart about. That, 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 that's one of the things that upset me about some friends that I've had in the past. Um, I've been involved in certain things or I've been confused and, and God would give them a word and it takes them 10 weeks for them to give me a word that could have saved me a lot of time and energy. Uh, if you if you love somebody or, or you're a friend with somebody and God gives you something about them, if the time is permitted and released, go ahead and give it to them. Don't leave them in the dark. Can somebody say amen to that? Yeah. So there are times when I confront as a friend. So when I got to this part of the message, I was just kind of meditating. How should I flow? How should I go? Um, should I talk about the methodology of confronting how you actually do it? Um, questions that you ask, um, reflection statements, um, feeling statements instead of thinking statements. How can I do this? But it's, as, as I thought about it, it became more and more complicated because how I confront people as a pastor is not how I confront my spouse. <laughs> okay? How I confront my children as a father is not the same way that I confront my children. So I don't really want to deal with strategies, tactics, methodologies. I want to deal with, for the next few moments, the approaches to confrontation. When you, when you know you have to confront, is there anybody in here, you ain't got to raise your hand, but is there anybody in here you know there's something that you know you got to deal with? Yeah, there, there's somebody I know I need to have a conversation with, and I'll be honest with you, my life is, it, it's like it's filled with that every week because there's so many things going on. I know I have to have a conversation with this particular person. What is the approach? Not methodology yet, not strategy yet, not words to say yet. No, what's the methodology, Pastor McGee, that you use as a pastor, as a father, as a friend, when you know that somebody has something crazy in their life and God is pricking your heart to say something. That's what I want to deal with for the next few moments. Three approaches, excuse me, four approaches to confrontation. I, I initially said three, 
And then God gave me one more <laughs> at the last minute. Uh, so it says three on the slide, but in all actuality, there are four approaches to confrontation that I want to highlight. The first approach is prayerfully. Th that seems as if it is a given, but in some situations, we seem to overlook the power of prayer. Pastor McGee, what exactly do you pray for when you are approaching the hour of confrontation? I normally pray for wisdom. James 1 and 5 says, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generous, generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. I pray for wisdom in what to say, how to say it, and when to say it. Give me the wisdom, Father. I see, I see Eve over there hanging around trees. I didn't know what she was doing at first. But then I found out my girl was talking to snakes. Not just any snake, but I'm talking about the devil himself. And I know that there is nothing good that's going to come out of that conversation. God, I want to help somebody in this place. I got friends um, in the past who I have seen systematically Every time you connect with her, your life always go downhill. Every single time. When you call me and you tell me y'all broke up again, I'll be the happiest brother in the entire world. Because my prayer life is filled with you because what you involved in. Now I see y'all trying to work it out again. Are you going to sit back, Pastor McGee, and allow him to go through this emotional roller coaster again, or are you going to say something? I need to say something, but before I approach him this time, let me pray, because I mean to know you can have the right word at the wrong time. You can also have the right word with the wrong tone. Yeah. And when I talk about tone, usually, and it's interesting, especially in a Christian circle, are y'all getting anything? Especially in a Christian circle. Um, there are times when people think that you should always have kind of like this marshmallow type approach to confrontation. And I'm, I'm never, ever encouraging being rude or being out of character. But the reality is there, there are certain situations that I have approached that I realize that they will not listen to me unless there is some form of anger, emotion, slash aggression involved. Not rude, not out of character, but I know they won't listen because sad to say there are some people that don't even feel as though that you really care unless you get upset about it. I'm just going to let that one hang out there. There are certain people, they don't even think you even care unless you get a little upset about it. And so I have to pray, Lord, if, I'm, if, if, if it's going to require me getting a little, uh, a, little, a little aggressive, a little upset, then help me to do what's necessary to keep it in the box. So give me what to say. Give me how to say it. And God, provide the right time when to say it. When I teach especially principles like this, usually somebody will come to me and they'll say, well, well Pastor, I mean, what, what if God don't talk? What if he don't say something? This has been my experience time and time again. Whenever I have approached God with a sincere heart, 
What, what do you mean a sincere heart? Whenever I have approached God with the mindset, with whatever you say, I'm going with it. He always talks. Always talks. The times that God don't talk is the time when he know and I know that I'm going to do what he say based on what he says. Come on, somebody. Yeah, I, I, I do it if you, if, if you tell me to do something within this range. But if you push me outside of my comfort zone, I'm going to have to think that over. Those are the times when heaven is normally quiet. But when I come, with, when I come to, the, to, to the moment of prayer, not my will, but let your will be done, God always talks to me. Can somebody say amen to that? Here's approach number two. You approach prayerfully. Number two, you approach carefrontation considerately. Considerately. Let's look at a couple of scriptures. Matthew chapter number seven, verse number three. The Bible declares, why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? Look at five. Five says, you hypocrite. First take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. As I was reading this, this is what came to mind. The idea that when you approach confrontation, you need to be accountable or consider what you actually added to the sin or the problem. Yeah. For some, that could be the anger or that could be some mal um, uh, emotion or behavior. But sometimes what I've seen consistently when people are in sin is the person that's supposed to confront them wind up becoming an enabler. So you have an alcoholic wife, but there are times when you go and buy the booze for her. You got somebody in your life with some type of gambling addiction, but you actually drive them to the casino because they're getting on my nerves. Let me go and put you in front of something that's going to cause you to be mindless and numb so you won't continue to. So if you have been an enabler and God is pricking your heart to actually confront Maybe there's some things that you need to confess. I've added to this situation. Can somebody say amen right there? Here's the second scripture that God gave me concerning this particular point. Galatians chapter number six, verses number one. Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such an one in the spirit of meekness. The spirit of meekness. Meekness means control strength. Yeah. Considering thyself, lest thy also be tempted. The approach to this particular text is the idea that what your sister has fallen into, you could fall into the same pit. What your brother has slipped into, if, if, if the parameters were a little bit different, if, and I know you experienced the same thing, y'all were hurt in the same place, but had he had what you had, you might be in the same position, or if you didn't have what they had, you might be in the same position that they are right now. Then too many times I've seen believers rightfully confront people that are in sin, but they confront them as if I could never fall there. The devil is absolutely a liar. 
I ask this t- question all the time. Anybody ever said that I'll never do something and you, you did it? Or you said even worse, I'll never do that again. And the thing you said I'll never do again, you actually... So when you approach confrontation, you do it prayerfully, but you also do it considerately knowing that I could be in the same situation that you're in. And watch this. I want to, oh, God, this is so good. I had a friend, a good, great friend of mine, fell into something real, real crazy years ago. And um, God restored him and God delivered him. And he says, Greg, I want to write a book of how to restore the fallen. And he said, the reason I want to write a book of how to restore the fallen, he says, because so many people came to me the wrong way. And they actually made me want to stay in my dumb stuff as opposed to coming out of my dumb stuff. So we do it considerately, number two. Here's number three. We do it, somebody shout boldly. Boldly. When when I talk of boldness, again, I'm not talking about being rude. Um, I'm not talking about being arrogant. Um, I am talking about being straightforward. Okay. So I've I've been in situations where I've had to confront people. And while I'm talking about the issue, they change the subject on me. And, and they deflect and they bring up all types of things. And I have to be pointed. No, we're not talking about this. We're not talking about what your mom and them said. We're talking about this thing that's going on in your life right now. You got to be bold. You got to be bold. You can't be shy when it comes to confrontation. Again, I'm not talking about being rude. I'm not talking about being disrespectful. I'm talking about no none of that. Um, we need to have this conversation. Had a guy um, some time ago. I was uh, confronted about an issue that was going on, and um, he he was very defensive. And he was e- every time I deal with this, he would always pull up something that would draw attention away from that. I finally said to him, I said, "Listen, we're gonna have this conversation. You might not be ready to have it right now, and that's okay. But we gonna have this conversation." I'm coming back. I will see you. And I gave him the time that I was coming back to have the conversation. So all this other stuff that you're bringing up, you resolve that on your own. I'm here to deal with. I was very direct. I was bold. Because, again, if God is calling you as a watchman to your sphere of influence, and Mr. Watchman, Mrs. Watchman, you don't do what you're called to do. I want to help somebody. Not only will they reap the consequences of their sins, you yourself will reap the consequences of your sin of not telling the people what they needed to hear from the Lord. Can somebody say amen right there? So number one, we do it. We care front prayerfully. We care front considerately. Um, We care front boldly. Here's number four. We care front consistently. Consistently. Okay. Let, let me let me let me highlight this. So um, when it comes to personal preferences, again, you negotiate that. Um, my wife and I, we have some personal preferences right now um, concerning the way she drive. I hope you're watching me, Lady McGee. Praise the Lord. I, because I, I need some pull on this. So my, my beautiful wife, my queen, my girl, I love her so much. When she backs up, she only looks at the camera to back up. So she's backing up <laughs> like this. And um, I say, 
you should at least turn your head <laughs> and just look around. You, you don't have to back up like this, but at least turn your head once or twice. Um, check out the rearview mirror, check out the side mirror, and, and, you know, back up. And so something happened, this was a couple of years ago, and I thought this was going to remedy the issue, but it didn't remedy the issue. Uh, because we, there are times when you can, you can make a preference a sin, okay? And, and I was wrong in this because I made this preference a sin. And, and um, but, but nevertheless, I, I thought it was going to remedy it because she was at Sonic one day. And um, she had got her order. And we had just had a major blowout about how she was backing up. I'm talking about major blowout. And um, so she was at Sonic. She ordered her food. And she was backing up looking at the camera. And the, the ordering screen at Sonic tore off her side mirror. So I come home. She didn't even call me and tell me. I just come home and I see her mirror just dangling. <laughs> and so I run inside like, baby, what, what happened? Somebody, somebody came to our house and vandalized your car. <laughs> she says, no, I did that. I said, how you, how you do it, sweetie? Somebody hit you? Did you, did you, did you run over something? What happened? Well, I was at Sonic, and um, I had accidentally backed up, and it took off my mirror. I said, was you looking at your camera? <laughs> so she's looking at her camera, and then anyway, so, so that's a preference. When you're dealing with preferences, you negotiate. In our houses, we negotiated years ago how towels are going to be folded, okay? When well, my wife folds towels, um, smooth edge is out to, to pick it up. Anybody else fold towels like that? Okay. Yeah. Well, in my mama house, it ain't matter. Just fold them and put them in the cabinet, baby. Fold them and put them in the, whatever that thing called. Put them in there, baby. I just want them folded. I get married and all of a sudden it's a major deal because the smooth edge is not out. Okay. So we negotiated on this and I yielded. And so every time I fold a towel, smooth edge is out. So when it comes to preferences, you should negotiate. When it comes to conflicts, you should communicate. There are a lot of conflicts, man, that you could simply resolve. You could resolve if y'all would just talk about it. A lot of problems in marriages, you just don't talk about it. You just sweep stuff under the rug and you just hope it goes away. It ain't going away. It's still there. You need to talk about it. Even if we come to the place, and my wife, in certain areas, we have come to the place where we have made a choice to agree that we disagree on that. Okay? I'm, I'm strong on my opinion, you're strong on your opinion, B but we've at least talked it through. I've given my best argument, you've given your best argument, we're still at odds, but it's okay. I'm not going to stop loving you because of this. So if nothing else, we've communicated, we agree to disagree. You, you deal with personal preferences with negotiation, you deal with, you deal with conflict, with communication, but you always deal with sin in a relationship with confrontation. You can't close your eyes. The Bible declares that the serpent was the most crafty beast of the field. And the snake is having a conversation with Eve 
And in the midst of this conversation, I'm done. He's doubting. He's causing her to doubt what God said in the in concerning the tree of, of the knowledge of good and evil. And the entire time, Adam is standing right there watching his wife and listening to this conversation happen. Entire time. What you do with that? Turn it down some more. Turn it down some more, please. I need y'all to listen to me in here because I'm real serious about this. Those of you all watching me online, I need you to hear my heart. Oh, my God. Because there are things that are probably going on in your relationship, as I said before. God doesn't give me messages like this for my own health. He just don't do that. He, he didn't. I, I, I didn't need this message just, just because I needed it. No. Did it benefit me? Absolutely. Did it give me some clarity on some things? Yes. But he wouldn't allow me to spend as much time as I did meditating on something if it wasn't relevant to where the people are. Just, just point blank. Point blank. When somebody comes to me and they say that, that the message was, it, it, it was amazing, it was, Pastor, I really, I really was blessed by the message. Usually it's not even the content of the message. It's not the way or the style that I preach. What makes the message so powerful is the fact that what I'm preaching is usually in line with something that you're currently going through right now. So if God is giving me something like this, it's because there are some people that's dealing with situations where you have sin in the relationship. And God is giving you the warning today. Don't overlook that. Watch me. I'm grateful that you're praying for me to do something. But I need you to do more than just pray for me to do something. I need you to begin to pray, what do you want me to do, Lord, about this situation that's going on in this person's life? Because when you don't say something, it sends the signal that you don't really care about them because you see what the sin is doing to them. It says that you don't care about us because the sin will eventually affect both of you guys if you don't, if you don't deal with it. It says something about your character. It says something about the concern that you have for the generation that they're called to reach. I'm concerned about the generation and the people that you're called to reach. Would they be offended if you come? Probably so. Would they be upset? Well, look, look, I, I didn't put this. I, I, didn't, I don't know if this is, this, this is in my slides, but the scripture says, the scripture says, when she saw that the fruit was good for food, that it was able to make you wise. I want you to press pause in that moment right there. Just, just freeze that frame right there. Eve has the fruit in her hand and she says, this is pleasant to my eyes. What I have in my hand is desirable to make me wise. In that moment, if she was to experience confrontation, don't you think she would have been upset? Absolutely. And there are some people around you that's got fruit in their hand that's going to kill them. And when you say something, are they going to be upset? Absolutely. But I don't mind hurting your feelings if it's going to save your soul. I don't mind hurting your feelings, sir. I don't mind hurting your feelings, ma'am, 
if what I'm going to say is going to save you, it's going to save your marriage, it's going to save relationships with you and your babies, I don't mind that. I will take this one. And then from the bigger picture, I'd rather be in trouble with you than to be in trouble with God because I didn't say nothing. After she partook of that fruit, God comes on the scene and he didn't say nothing to Eve at first. The first thing he wants to know is, Adam, where are you? Where are you? I gave instructions to you. You were there and you saw this whole scene going down. Adam, what's up with this? I don't know about you, but I don't want that confrontation from God. Greg, where are you? Because I see craziness going on and I choose not to say something because of the fear of people. What they, people are going to say about me, the devil is absolutely a liar. I got a phone call the other day and um, a, a brother asked me to do something. It was extreme honor that he asked me to do it. Um, but as I thought about it, there were some things that came to mind and I knew I was going to say no if he didn't have this fixed. So I called him back and I confronted him on something that was important to me. Although it was extreme honor, the man who asked me to do this particular task, I, I, he, I esteem him in my eyes highly. I really do. But brother, today, if this ain't fixed, you're going to be disappointed because I'd rather disappoint you then disappoint my God. Can you say amen to that? So here's my question today. I'm watching you guys on Facebook Live. Bless y'all. I'm looking at y'all on YouTube. If that's you and you're saying, Pastor, this is me, just lift your hand and say, Pastor, there's some confrontation that I need to do. In this sanctuary, is there anybody, is there anybody that's saying, yeah, I, there's some things that I need to fix. There's some things that God wants me to say. I'm looking at your Facebook Live. Sister Washington, blessings to you. Mother Heron, God bless you. Charlotte, bless you. Ashley, Mother Holy, love you. Mother Holder, God bless you. Brother Ernest, God bless you. Sister Young, God bless you. I see you. I see you. So this is what I want to do. I want to pray for you. I'm not going to pray today. But I want to make sure that you're prayed for because this is important. This, this is what we don't know. This is what we don't know. We don't know what would have happened had Adam said something. What I do know is humanity wouldn't be in the predicament that we're in right now had he said something. And this is what's real. You're going to say something and there are certain rewards. I'm just convinced. I'm just convinced. There are certain accolades that I'll never get in the earth. I can only get them in heaven. There are certain applauses, there are certain praises that I will never get on. God, I want to help somebody in this place. Jesus, you might never get that on the earth, but you will get it in heaven. What are you trying to say, Pastor McGee? If you put out a, if you put out a spark that was next to the house, but nobody saw you but God, had you not put out the spark, the entire house would have been ablaze. But nobody appreciated what you did because they didn't see what would have transpired had you not done something. But heaven knows and heaven sees it. So the confrontation that you must, that you must accomplish concerning your spouse, concerning your friends, concerning your loved ones, family members, the rest of the world, the rest of the family might not see the fire that you're going to prevent. But heaven's going to say, I saw what you did, my daughter. I saw what you did, my son. And I say, well done. Minister Obillo, this is what I want you to do. There are people here in this sanctuary. 
And there are people that are watching us via Facebook Live and YouTube Live that are going through situations right now. They have relationships that are estranged because of sin that's in the other person's life. And they know that they should say something. But today, God is giving them fire. He's giving them encouragement. And he's giving them today the necessary conviction that they need to make a move. I want you to pray for those individuals. Can you do that, ma'am? Amen, amen. Oh, this is awesome. Awesome series. God, we thank you, God, for your peace. We thank you, God, for your joy. We thank you, God, that you have given us the strategy to confront rocky relationships, to confront relationships that needs to be God right now I ask you just to bind fear of confronting for for and foremost we bind the spirit of fear right now in the name of Jesus God you have given us and laid out before us the approach how do we approach confrontation God first and foremost I thank you for communication God that we begin to open up our mouth and say something right now watching right now in the building you open up your mouth and begin to say what thus said the Lord begin to speak into your family members begin to speak into that relationship that you are scared to confront and God has laid it out for us today that we no longer has to be afraid to confront sin that we no longer have to sit aside and just allow our family members to die allow the nations to die allow the generations that God has put in our bellies God said stand up and say something God, we thank you, God, that the approach is right. We thank you that we go before you and pray. God, we thank you that we go for you and consider the cost. Consider the cost, God. God, we thank you that you have given us boldness, that we can rise up of a nation, that we can rise up and be your people. That says, God, I'll say something because I care about them. God, I'll say something because I care about myself. God, I'll say something because I care about your people. God, I'll say something because I care about the ones that are watching. God, I'll say something because you have given me the voice to say something. God, I thank you, God, for the man of God that's poured into us today that has given us the ability to say something, that's given us the roadmap to say something. Lord, increase our communication, God, and increase our fellowship with you, God. Our love for you has given us the ability to say that I'm not going to no longer sit back. I'm going to say something. I'm no longer going to watch and just sit back and allow my nation, allow my children to go through without me saying something. God, I know it might hurt. I know they might get offended. But God, like the man of God said, I'd rather for them to get angry than you to get angry. God, I don't want the blood of our on, on my hands. They don't want the blood on their hands. So I challenge you today, take everything that the man of God said today and begin and ask the Lord for the peace of God. Allow the Lord to speak to you how to approach them, how to handle them. And ask God, when is the right timing to approach it? When is the right timing, God? God set me in the right position that I begin to approach it. 
God, heal every hurt place. Heal it. That we can take everything that he had laid out before us today. You are that person. Somebody else's life is in your hands. So when you're not saying nothing, you're really saying something. So I decree and declare that everybody that's listening to the sound of my voice, that listen to our man of God voice, that we begin to stand up and say, God, I thank you, God, that you begin to teach us how to confront, how to confront, how to confront. Usually we're scared and we, like he said, we hide it. But God's saying, I need my children. I need my sons and daughters to begin to confront, confront sin confront sin confront sin confront sin and when we confront sin the nations begin to turn when we confront sin the blessings begin to flow freely and so God we thank you Jesus oh God we thank you God pour back in God everything that he pulled out today God God we thank you God that everybody that's listening everybody that's here today begin to say something it's in your son Jesus name I pray amen amen come on and give God a hand clap of praise all over this building listen to me and we're coming to a close I'm going to do this real quick there's somebody that's listening to me and maybe, maybe you're in the backslid position and maybe it's time for you sir to come home maybe it's time for that wayward daughter to come home there's somebody else that's listening to me and you don't even know Jesus in the part of your sin. You know, you know the story of the passion. You've heard it over and over again. You know that he died for sins, but you've never made it personal to say Jesus died for my sins. Thank you, Jesus. There's somebody that's listening to my voice right now and you are spiritually low. You need to be filled with this spirit. You need to be filled with this presence. Pastor, what are you talking about? I'm not talking about, I'm not talking about you having all of God, but I'm talking about giving God all of you. Today, God is saying, if you will yield yourself to me, my son, my daughter, if you will yield yourself to me, I will pour myself into you and I will fill you to overflowing. I will fill you today. Father, now in Jesus' name, I want to thank you for this opportunity, God, to minister the word of God to the people of God on today. There are some, God, that have been convicted in their hearts concerning their slowfulness and slackness in confronting issues in people that you have called them to. And I thank you, God, for the conviction of your spirit, not condemnation, God, but conviction of your spirit that you provide today, God, that encourage them, Lord, that encourages them, God, to step out and do what it is that you have called them to do. While there, is, there are some here today, Father, and some that are watching me live, God, the reason that they can't confront sin is because they themselves are in sin. And they're saying that I'm ready to come home. I'm ready to confess to you, Father, the wrong that I have committed against you so that I can be an instrument, a vessel of honor that will and can be used to help others out of their situation. So if that's you, everybody, I want everybody to repeat after me. Say, Father... I know, come on everybody, Father, I know I failed you in many ways. I'm asking you, Lord, to forgive me for all of my sins and to cleanse me of all unrighteousness. I confess that Jesus is the only way to the Father. And I'm asking you, Jesus, to be the Lord of my life, to govern 
every aspect of my life. I believe that you died and you rose again just for me. I thank you for it now. Now just for a moment with every head bowed and every eye closed and those of you who are watching me online, I just want to give you just a moment. Yes, make that prayer personal. Just a few moments. There's some sins in particular that you need to confess. God, this is what I did. You know it, but I'm confessing it. This is what I said, and I am, I am agreeing with you that it's wrong. Turn it from it now, God. I'm laying down this decadent behavior, Father, that I have picked up, Father.